Okay, turn with me in your Bible to uh, Revelation 21. I'm going to go through a few verses to get there, and then we're just going to kind of drill in on Revelation 21. We're on part seven of a series. We've been talking about understanding the age to come. And if you've missed part one through six, you can get that on our podcast. You can go to iTunes and just type in IHOP Atlanta, and you can get that. And, um, and just know that there's probably stuff I'm going to say that you'll probably need to get the background on. Because if you're picking up at part seven, obviously there's much that we've covered up to this point uh, that builds to today. So uh, today we're going to talk specifically about the New Jerusalem. And that is, a, uh, I think, one of the most powerful revelations in Scripture that has just almost not been talked about at all. And it is fascinating to consider uh, the New Jerusalem because of what the scripture says about it and it's what it says about our connection to it and its connection to the earth, especially in the age to come. And so you're in Revelation 21. On your screen, Ephesians 2 is going to come up. And I want to look at a few verses to lay a little bit of a foundation for this morning. And then I just want to work verse by verse through Revelation 21 because it's so interesting. When I, when I look at these things in the scripture, I, you know, it moves my heart. I was thinking this week, you know, you don't want to study the Bible just so you can get the right answers. There's a whole strain of, of, of uh, Christianity where they just study to get the right answers, to get more knowledge, more knowledge, more knowledge, know the right answers. And I want to know the right answers. I I want truth and I want to know the right answers. But really, I want to study the scripture and have it impact me so much that I have a right heart. That it impacts my heart and I go, whoa. And I have a right knowledge of God and my heart comes alive and and the life that's in the word is imparted to my, to my soul. And I, and I feel alive because of the truth there. I don't just want uh, the word to become empty words in my mind. I want them to be life-giving words that fill my soul. And that's the way we approach it. We approach the word, I say, I've said this for a long time, with an academic zeal, but a devotional spirit. An academic zeal, but a devotional spirit. So we work through the scripture, allowing it to touch us and and move us and allow the truths of it to to impact our heart and have our heart and our our, our soul come alive. So you're in Revelation 21, Ephesians 2. Let me read you these verses as a little backdrop. Set the table. Ephesians 2, and I'll just, a little parentheses. Ephesians 2 has been rocking my world lately. I think I'm going to do a series just right after this one about the love of God in Ephesians 2. It's just, oh my goodness. Okay. A little side thought. (laughs) That's a little tip off. You can start looking at Ephesians 2. We're probably going to head that direction in a week or two ahead. All right. Ephesians 2.19. Interesting verses. Earlier in the chapter, he says, You are strangers from the covenant of promise. You're strangers from the commonwealth of Israel. Talking about Gentile believers, those that don't know the Lord, 
before, before they were saved, he said, you guys were, you were totally away from even the promises of God. And then he brings back the conversation, having been reconciled in Christ. And he says, now, verse 19, therefore you are no longer strangers, strangers to the covenants that God had promised. You're no longer strangers and no longer foreigners. But look at this phrase. It's just amazing. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. I love Ephesians 3, where it says, Paul said he, he gets that, he's going to pray that intimacy prayer, that prayer about love and fullness. In Ephesians 3, he says, I bow my knee to the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You and I right now are members of a household that's led by God. Oh, that's cool. You're a member of the household of God. The Father is the head. Jesus is our elder brother. And you and I are co-heirs Adopted in, co-heirs, not second class citizens, co-heirs with Christ, adopted in, and now citizens and members of the household of God. Members of the household. That's more real than your earthly Natural lineage. It's more real. It transcends that. It's greater than that. It's deeper than that. It's more real than that. I'm thankful for my family in the natural, my my natural blood lineage. I'm very thankful for that. But there is a household that's greater than my natural household. It's called the household of God. And you and I, ho, 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 are members of a household, and God the Father is the dad of it. You just need to like, think about that and close your eyes and let that blow your mind for a while. I, there's no dysfunction in that family. You know... In the natural, we all got a little Jerry Springer in our family. But you and I are members of the family and the household of God. That right there will heal you of all your issues. You know, sometimes we just get a little bit overboard about our issues. I I got these issues. Well, I appreciate it. You know, I understand going through hardships and challenges. We've all done that. We've all gone through difficulties family-wise. But let me tell you something. You've got a different family that you're a part of that's so much greater, so much more superior than any natural family lineage you've ever even thought about having. You're a member of the household of God. God is the dad and Jesus is your big brother. I mean, come on. And with Jesus, there's no sibling rivalry. He goes, I am so glad you're in here. Take half of my stuff. (laughs) Members of the household of God. You're a member. 
of the house that's led by God the Father. Let that land on you. Man, if you're having a bad day up till now, it's changing right now. Members of the household of God. I mean, I could just say that for the next hour. Members of the household of God. Bam! Wow! Members of the household of God. Wow! I mean, it's just, that's awesome. Members of the household of God. Now look at, it's coming up on your screen, Philippians 3. Because in Ephesians 2, he, he introduces this concept of citizenship. He says, you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The household and the citizenship are one reality. So citizens, members of the household, siblings in Christ, whatever you want to say, it's all one reality. The point is, we belong to something and a place that's not here. We belong to another place. Our citizenship is different than just our earthly citizenship. Look at Philippians 3. It's on your screen. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Say that. Say, my citizenship is in heaven. You might have a certain nationality. You know, you you could be from this nation or another. But when you got saved, you got a bunch of new stuff that you didn't even comprehend that was happening to you. You know, most of us, we kind of just said, man, I don't want to go to hell. That's all I know. What do I got to do? Help. Jesus. I'm saved? Okay. I mean, you know, we, we pray a prayer. We're weeping. We feel bad about sin. We're like, I repent. Help God. We have no concept of the implications. We don't, we don't get it at all. You got a new nature in that moment. You got a new nature. You were born from above instantaneously. Paul said you became a new creation. And a brand new nature. Your dead spirit became alive. All sorts of things shifted. Your eternal destiny changed in one instant. Bam. You were doomed going to hell. And bang. One instant later, you are now going to heaven. You may not felt anything, but it's all happening in the spirit. All sorts of things change. You got a new name, a new nature, a new destiny. One thing you didn't even realize, you got a brand new citizenship. Now, it's not to say that your old citizenship got done away with. In fact, when we see the throne room scenes, it says every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. So you instantly became a dual citizen. You became a citizen of wherever you're from on the earth, but you also instantly became a citizen of heaven. Your citizenship is in heaven. Now look at this. He says, our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We wait for him from heaven who will, I love this, and this is where we talked about I I guess it was last week about the glorified body. He will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. He goes, he, we are waiting for Jesus to come from the place that we're citizens of, heaven. He's gonna come here, gonna transform our bodies 
by the same power he's going to use to transform the earth and bring it under his leadership. The thing you've got to know is that you have got a citizenship that's not merely earthly. You have a citizenship that's heavenly. And therefore, if you are a member of the household of God with a heavenly citizenship, it just stands to reason that we should comprehend what's this place like from which we have our citizenship. Doesn't that make sense? The, the challenge is when we say you have a citizenship and your citizenship is in heaven, most of us immediately start picturing some sort of cloudy, ethereal kind of state, kind of like what it looks like when you're in the airplane, you're looking out the window and there's all these clouds and sky and whatever. But you have a citizenship that's actually connected to a real place. And this term heaven, when we see this term heaven, and it's not speaking about the sky, the stars heaven, it's speaking about the, the, the literal spiritual heaven, there is actually a literal place that's identified in the scripture that gives us the detail of what it's talking about. I, man, for a long time, I just thought heaven was just somewhere up there, somehow, somewhere. Just a big expanse of ethereal Timeless, formless, ooh la 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 la, you know, twilight zone-ish. But the scripture actually identifies what heaven looks like. Paul said it was, it's called the third heavens. He went there. He actually saw this place. John got taken on a tour of it. I mean... Come on, good quiet time. I mean, John goes on a tour. <laughs> he gets to see the entire end of the age. And right at the end, like if it doesn't get any better, one of the angels with seven bowls goes, hey, I want to show you something. Come on. And he takes him on a step-by-step -step tour of the, of the new heaven, the new Jerusalem. Not the new heaven, the new Jerusalem, I should say, of the heaven. When, when the scripture says heaven, it's talking about this citizenship, this place that you have, you're a citizen of, the new Jerusalem. This place that John toured. That's what it's talking about. So if you're in Revelation 21. Oh, I got to stop there. Wait a minute. Not, we're not going to go through that just yet. Let me read one more verse to you. Hebrews 12. The writer of Hebrews makes it clear this citizenship that you have and, and, and what it's of. I mean, and what I've just said, the writer of Hebrews is the one that outlines it. In Hebrews 12, verse 22, it's on your screen. You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all to the, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. He goes, you have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. That is the place that you've become a part of. That's the place that your citizenship is of, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have two addresses. One is wherever you live. The other one is seated in heavenly places in Christ in the new Jerusalem. That's where you are. And so now let's, now let's take a look at this tour that John got of heaven. 
When you think of heaven, I, I want to clarify this. When you think of heaven, don't think of a, a vast, formless, you know, void of space that's got no boundary or form. When you think of heaven, think of what John got the tour of because that's where the Father resides. That's what you've come to in Christ. The, it's called the New Jerusalem or the Heavenly Jerusalem. And here's the thing. Before Jerusalem on the earth was ever named Jerusalem, God had already named the heavenly Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Yerushalam. It's founda- it means foundation of peace. The place of peace where the prince of peace dwells. The heavenly Jerusalem was there first. It's just like the writer of Hebrews tells us about the tabernacle. Moses makes the tabernacle according to the diagrams that God gives him. And the things that Moses makes on the earth are just replicas of the things that are what? Already in heaven. That place is already there and the earth goes ahead and is the mirror of it. So Jerusalem on the earth is just a mirror name for the real Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem that's in heaven from which you and I have our citizenship. So here's what happens in John's really, really amazing book of Revelation, 22 chapters worth of quiet time. Revelation 21, verse 9. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the last seven plagues came to him, came to John and talked with me saying, come, I'll show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, or the heavenly Jerusalem. It's the same thing. The holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. He gets taken on a tour by an angel. He goes to a great and high mountain. Now what's interesting here is he goes, let me show you the bride. And then he shows him a city. Now, is the city the bride or are the people the bride? It's the people. Well, what makes a city a city? People. What is this saying? That this is where the people of God will dwell, in this city. Let me show you the bride. Let me show you the city. That's the bride, where the people of God will dwell. If you have a city with no people, that's called a ghost town you got to have people in a city to make it a city. So he's, let me show you the bride, the lamb's wife. In other words, I'm going to show you the city where she lives. And so he, he, he takes her there, and, and, he, and, he, and he takes John there, and he, and he goes to this great and high mountain, and he sees this great city, and we're about to find out how great it is. And the first detail he gives us about it is that it's descending out of heaven. Now, twice in Revelation 21, it tells us that the new Jerusalem, this heavenly city, is actually, hold on, buckle your seatbelts. It's actually going to come out of heaven. It's actually going to descend out of heaven. It's, it's, <laughs> it's going to come out of the spirit realm and manifest in the natural realm. This is going to get really cool. So this thing that John's seeing, he's actually seeing the descent, or you could say it this way, the manifestation of the new Jerusalem as it's, as it's coming from the spirit and into the natural. 
In the age to come, the new Jerusalem will manifest. It will descend out of heaven and it will manifest above the earth. It'll manifest over Jerusalem. Hang on. Let me just say it again. <laughs> y'all are going, y'all are looking like a dog at a new sound. Huh? The new Jerusalem, which I'm about to detail, as, which we got the detail from the angel giving John the tour, it is going to descend out of heaven and manifest over the earth. People on the earth are going to be able to see it. It's going to manifest. It's going to descend out of heaven. We've got multiple verses that identify that it will not just manifest, but it will have a dynamic connection to the earth. It's not going to sort of just be floating out there. It's going to actually manifest in the natural, and it's going to have a dynamic connection to the earth, to the Jerusalem on the earth. The Jerusalem on the earth will be a mirror of the Jerusalem in the heavens, the new Jerusalem. And they're going to they're gonna be able to see it from the planet. I love it. So in the age to come, believers from this age, your main address is somewhere, somewhere, New Jerusalem. That's your main address. And you will be able to connect to the, uh, the planet, the, the earth, but your main address, your home address, will be the New Jerusalem. You're a citizen of that place. It only makes sense that that's your main residence. Just like a senator is connected to a locality, but also Washington, D.C., if you can think of it this way, the New Jerusalem is like the governmental complex that you're a citizen of, and you will also collect, connect to a locality on the earth somewhere. That's why that New Jerusalem is called the bride. Now let's just continue to read through this. Verse 11. The city having the glory of God, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Crystal. When you see jasper, just think diamond. The ancient jasper was very similar in color and hue and everything to a diamond. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the 12 gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. So there's this light that flows through the entire city and the light is like diamond. What, what is that? <laughs> I mean, what is diamond light? What is that? It's flowing through the entire city. It's the glory of God with precious diamond light, clear as crystal. Has this high wall 12 gates. You know, it's interesting. Most of the depictions you see of heaven, of the new Jerusalem, is you see a gate, the pearly gates, and who's standing there? St. Peter, right? You know, you've seen those depictions. Peter's nowhere in this picture. In fact, there's not just one gate. There's 12 of them. 
Four sides. The city's like a square. It's got three gates on each side. You know what's interesting? Ezekiel 40 through 48 details what the earthly Jerusalem is going to look like. It's going to have a wall with 12 gates. It's going to have three gates on each side. It's going to be a square and have three gates on each side. The same names that are written on the gates of the heavenly Jerusalem are going to be written on the earthly Jerusalem. It's going to be a mirror reality. Now there's an angel at each gate. And there's a name of one of the tribes of Israel on each gate. Now let's look at verse 14. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations or foundation stones. And on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And if you read Isaiah 54, you'll find that the earthly Jerusalem also is adorned with beautiful stones in its foundation. This is during the millennium. And then the angel, and he who talked with me, had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. Why does he tell us that the angel had a reed? The reason why is because he's trying to give us the, the picture that there are literal measurements that he can actually physically measure this place with. It's actually got real measurements. It's got a real wall with real gates, and there's real measurements that tells you how big this place is. <laughs> I'm feeling for you right now if you thought heaven was just clouds. Look at verse 16. <laughs> Oh, man. God is so much fun. My, the thing I've been thinking about lately, I've, I've said this a lot, but he's the God who, who created the aardvark and the platypus. He took a beaver and put a duck bill on him, gave him web, web feet. What was he doing on that day? Like, what was God thinking about? He's like, <laughs> duck bill. He goes, those evolutionists are going to have fun with this guy. I mean... There's a real city, gang. I know all of our cartoon theology has had us up in some cloudy place somewhere playing a harp. There's a real city up there. There's a real city. It's in the spirit right now, and that thing's going to manifest and come into the natural. Jesus is going to join both realms together. Remember Ephesians 1? He's going to join all things in heaven and earth together. He's going to bring the, the new Jerusalem and the earthly Jerusalem together in one reality. It's going to be connected, and this new Jerusalem is going to actually come descend out of heaven. It's going to manifest in the natural. That's going to be a, I mean, that's just going to be a crazy governmental complex. And that's why in Psalm 49, the kings of the earth, they come by Jerusalem and they go, wow, it's beautiful and they go wow it's terrifying because you've got this heavenly new jerusalem manifest connecting to the the natural jerusalem on the earth and there is power and glory and light and fire and stuff coming off and they're like man i i thought my palace was nice like wow and they're going to be blown away verse 16 the city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as the width. And he measured the city 
with the rod, again telling us he's actually got a rod, he's measuring this thing, 1,500 miles. 1,500 miles. How long does it take you to measure 1,500 miles? They're there for a while. He's, you know, 10 feet, 20 feet, 30, 50, 260, one mile. Okay, 10, 20, 30. I mean, John's going like, this guy's like really measuring the whole place. This is big. We're going to be here for a while. 1,500 miles, one wall. And the width and the, and the length are the same, the same and, the, and the height. 1,500, 1,500, 1,500. Now, to put that in perspective for you, that's a little over two-thirds the size of the moon. <laughs> that's a giant city. You, like, you think Atlanta's kind of big. This, is, this city is two-thirds the size of the moon, 1,500 miles by 1,500. But in perspective, it takes 800 miles to get to what we call outer space. So if you sat the thing just and sat it on the planet, half of it would be in outer space. The ocean is only eight miles deep. 1,500. 15, I mean, just ginormous. Huge. He's actually measuring it. Its length and width and height are equal. He measured its wall 72 yards across. Football field's 100 yards, three quarters of a football field. That's just the width of the wall. You know, they got excited. What was the, what was the city they shattered and the walls came down? Jericho, thank you. They got excited they could do chariot races on the walls of Jericho, you know, two chariots next to each other. Dude, you could play a football game on the width, almost, of the city wall, the New Jerusalem. Go deep! I mean, 70 yards across. Just so you're clear, and he measured its wall 72 yards according to human measurements. These are real measurements, which are also angelic measurements. <laughs> I think that's interesting. Give the angel the rod and he measured the same way. That's a yard. That's two yards. You just think of angels being like, like not interested in that stuff. You go, no, that's, that's 72 yards. Yeah, I, I can throw it the whole way. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> according to human measurement, these are real measurements. The material of the wall was jasper. Again, think diamond. And the city was pure gold, like clear glass. Diamond. It's a 1,500 square mile diamond city. It's got... 12 different foundation stones. We're not going to go through the detail of those. Beautiful foundation stones. And it's inlaid with pure gold that's transparent. You got excited when your husband gave you a carrot and said, will you marry me? Jesus is coming 
And when he comes, he's bringing the bride a 1,500-mile square diamond city (laughs) and saying, be mine. You got happy about the carrot. You're like, I don't care as long as it's a carrot. I don't care if it's got inclusions. I don't just, it's so long as it's a rock. Jesus is bringing, you know, if, if you like round better than square, I'm sorry. But he is bringing a square 1,500 mile diamond as our city. And the air in it has got diamond light. Well, I guess so. The whole city's a diamond. Guys, this is where we're going to live. I mean, you know, you're, you know, you're not real happy with your three-bedroom, two-bath, you know, whatever. Don't worry about it. For real. In a minute, you're going to be living in this city. For real. This is not figurative. They go through great lengths in the scripture to tell us these are real measurements. These are the measurements of a man. This is a real place. This place is going to descend. This is where we're going to connect to. The redeemed in this age, we already have our citizenship in that place. You want to know what you're a citizen of? You're a citizen of a place that's 1,500 miles squared diamond with the glory of God as air. That's where you're from. No wonder, Paul said, these momentary light afflictions are nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. These momentary light afflictions. He says, I'm homeless, I haven't eaten in a while, I'm naked. He says, I don't really care. I'm going to a 1,500 mile square diamond city because I've got the whole, the, Jesus already got the place picked out for me where I'm going to live. He's making a mansion for me. Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. You get it? The real estate in this place is like primo. Location, location, location. You know what I'm saying? In my father's house, he's talking about the city, are many mansions. He goes, if it weren't true, I wouldn't have told you that. He goes, I'm going and I'm going to go do some fixer-upper stuff. I'm going to prepare the place for you. You know what's going to happen? You're You're going to go in the New Jerusalem You're going to walk in the door and you're going to go, oh my gosh, the city is amazing. And then they're going to escort you and go, hey, your house is over here. My house? Your house is over here. Jesus built it. What? Yeah, he knew everything you'd want. All the design features, all the decor. You're going to walk in, you're going to go, it's perfect. And he's going to go, I know. You ever tried to pick out the colors, you know, for your home and you can't quite get it right? Like, oh, it's a little off. Jesus knows the color perfectly. You're going to walk in and all the colors you like the most are going to boom all over your house. And this is the city you're going to live in. (laughs) Set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Why? Because it changes your perspective. Because you don't think that this is all there is. 
how many people live, get all I can, can all I get? I mean, that's how they live their whole life. No concept of where this thing is going. Okay? We'll skip the foundation stones. Let's go to verse 21. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. Now, last I checked, pearls are round. I mean, what is that? I mean, you just roll it away. I mean, how does that even work? I mean, maybe it's like a picture of the resurrection. You know, you're rolling the stone away when you open the gate. A single pearl per gate. No wonder they need an angel there. He's got to move the pearl every time somebody wants to go in. The city street, the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. I'm going to tell you, that place is a place of pleasure and beauty and wonder like you've never dreamed. This is your residence. This is where your citizenship is of. Verse 22. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. We're going to go in and out and fellowship with God. I like to think of the whole place as a temple. It's actually referred to as his tabernacle, the whole place. And the city has no need of the sun, well, I guess not, or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illuminated it, and its lamp is the lamb. Second Corinthians 4 says, the glory of God shines from the face of Christ. Beloved, that's not figurative, that's literal. The glory that's coming off of the man, Christ Jesus, who is the express image of the Father, lights up an entire 1,500 mile square city. Imagine, can you, can you dream of the power it takes to light up? Like, how much power does it take to light up all of Atlanta? Atlanta is puny. It's a, it's a minuscule, it's a piece of dust. The light of the whole city is the glory coming off of the face of Jesus. Do you have any picture how powerful he is? For the glory of God is illuminated and his lamp is the lamb. Now look at this amazing thought. Verse 24, how do we know it's connecting to the earth? Because the nations will walk by its light. Another translation says the nations of the saved will walk by its light. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. The kings of the where? Does it say that? This place is going to connect to the earth. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory. They'll bring their goods. They'll bring their riches to the new Jerusalem. We see this picture in Isaiah 61 where the kings of the nations are all coming to Jerusalem on the earth. And they're bringing, this is an age to come, they're bringing their goods and their glory to Jerusalem to honor the king. Well, somehow what they bring on the earth, it actually also goes up into the new Jerusalem. This thing is connected dynamically to the earthly Jerusalem. They bring their glory into the new Jerusalem. 25. In the daytime, 
daytime. Now think about that. For there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed. (laughs) Isaiah 60 says the same thing about the earthly Jerusalem. It's a mirror reality of the heavenly Jerusalem. And they will bring their glory and honor of the nations into it. Now here's what I imagine happens. The kings of the nations... They come, we know, Zechariah 14 says every year they will come to Jerusalem, natural Jerusalem, earthly Jerusalem. They'll come every year to celebrate the tab, uh, Feast of Tabernacles. And they will bring gifts to honor Jesus. And those gifts they'll bring into the earthly Jerusalem. And there is a connection from the earthly Jerusalem to the heavenly Jerusalem. It's like a, it's like an escalator. It's like a chute. It's like a laundry chute. <laughs> It goes up and down. What you bring in can go up, and what's up there can come down. And so they bring in their, their goods, their, their, the glory of their own nations. They bring it to the, the earthly Jerusalem, and it goes up the chute, and it's actually accepted in the heavenly Jerusalem. Now, if you don't believe me, just hang on. Revelation, keep going, because there's already chapters... When John was seeing it, he wasn't going, man, it's an incredible vision. Chapter 22. (laughs) He didn't put the chapter breaks in. So keep reading. Then the angel showed him a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne and of the Lamb, throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now this is so interesting to me. Because we get all this picture of diamond glory and gold and all that. But there's trees. Undoubtedly there's soil. There's clearly a river. There's, I mean, (laughs) there's fruit and leaves. And the leaves that come off the trees actually release healing into the nations on the earth. Now this very river, Ezekiel saw this river flowing out of the temple that's on the earth. It's Ezekiel 47. We love to quote that chapter talking about the move of the Spirit of God, but what Ezekiel's actually seeing is the river of life on the earth in the age to come flowing out of the temple that's on the earth. And beloved, here's what happens. This river flows out of the throne, down the street in the new Jerusalem, and at some point in time, it goes down to the earth, and it hits the the earthly Jerusalem, it hits the temple, and it begins to flow out of the temple. In Ezekiel 47, you've got to read the detail. It's so interesting. It says the waters flow out of the eastern doorway of the temple on the south side. So if you're standing in the door, it's on the right side. There's a tributary that the living waters flow out of the earthly temple. Those waters flow out. And, and it's different from every other water source, every other water flow. Here's why. Every other river, it's strongest at its source. This river gets stronger and stronger the more it flows. It starts off small, ankle deep, and it gets to where you can't even swim in it. And what it tells us is this. It keeps flowing all the way 
eastward to the Dead Sea. And it says two places, and Eglium, and, and what's the other one? And Gedi, thank you. And Eglium and Engedi. And, 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 and Eglium is the top of the Dead Sea, and Engedi is the bottom. This river flows as a trickle all the way out. It, it gets wider and wider and wider till the whole Dead Sea is touched with this river, and the, the Dead Sea will come alive. Now, Zechariah 14 tells us that it's also going to have water that flows to the west. And that, that western flow is going to hit the Mediterranean. And it's going to cause the waters of the earth to come alive. Beloved, the living water that's flowing right now, it's in the New Jerusalem, it's flowing. When that New Jerusalem descends, that living water is also going to hit the earth in a literal way. That water is going to flow on the planet, and it's going to cause the dead things to come alive. It's so specific in Ezekiel 47, it says this, that the fishermen are going to go and camp out there where the waters hit the Dead Sea because there's an abundance of fish. Well, that's what I would do. Fishermen, smart fishermen, they fish where the fish are. And the fish are going to be right there drinking. Now, what kind of big fish do you think are going to be drinking, uh, swimming in the water of life? I mean, those are going to be ginormous fish. You're going to like, I got a whale. It looks like a bass. It's a whale. Because they are going to be swimming in living water. Ezekiel 47 says everything that the river touches, it lives. And it actually says that there's trees along the side of the river that are on the earth and its leaves are also for medicine for the nations. You've got to read it. Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12. It's powerful. Well, how is that living water getting there? Because there is a connection between the new Jerusalem the heavenly Jerusalem that descends out of heaven, and the earthly. And that living water is flowing down. It's actually touching the earthly, and it's flowing out of there. Now turn over to Isaiah 4, and we'll land. (laughs) It's almost unfair to do this in like one session and just to blow it all out there and invite you to study it later because there's so much to it. We didn't even touch Isaiah 60. It gives all the details of the earthly Jerusalem. But Isaiah 4, verse 4, this is about the millennial earthly Zion. It's on the earth during the millennium. It says, when the Lord has washed away, verse 4, the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the blood of Jerusalem from her midst by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. That's a day ahead. That's after Jesus returns. He's going to purge Jerusalem with fire. Verse 5, then the Lord will create above every dwelling place of Zion and above her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of flaming fire by night. Now, does that sound familiar? Cloud by day, fire by night. What is that? That's the glory that was resident over the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness under Moses' care. Isn't that right? A big pillar of fire. I wonder what that pillar of fire, that, that glory portal is, what it's about. 
Well, there's this glory portal of shining of of flaming fire, smoke and cloud. And it says over all the glory, talking about that flaming fire, there will be a covering. And there will be a tabernacle. Does it say that? A tabernacle. For shade in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge and for a shelter from the storm and rain. What's it talking about? It's saying that this pillar of fire is going to be connected to the tabernacle, the new Jerusalem. That pillar of fire connects the two realities, the earthly to the heavenly. And that's how you get what's in heaven on earth and what's on earth in heaven. The kings come to the earthly Jerusalem. They bring their glory in and it goes up. The the river of living water flows in the new Jerusalem and it comes down. That glory pillar is a portal. Now, we believe in portals, we just don't believe in portals. You know, charismatic people go, that's like a portal of his presence. I just feel something right here. You know, we believe in that, but we don't believe in that. It's fine. We believe in the story of Jacob's ladder, where angels were ascending and descending on this, what was it? A ladder, like a portal. An opening in the heavens that was touching earth. We believe in it, we just don't believe in it. But beloved, what I'm telling you is, and I'm giving it to you so fast that you just gotta study it later. The New Jerusalem, that 1,500 mile diamond city, scripture supports this concept thoroughly. It is going to come out of heaven. It's gonna descend, it's gonna manifest in the natural. It's gonna be connected to the earth by a portal of fire and glory. And the earthly Jerusalem is going to be built as a, as a uh, mirror replica of this heavenly Jerusalem. You and I will have our home in the heavenly Jerusalem. That's why it's called the bride. We will interface with the earth. Things that are in the new Jerusalem will come and touch the earth through this portal. And things that are on the earth will go into the earthly Jerusalem and go up and touch the new Jerusalem. That's how the kings of the earth are able to bring their glory. And it goes into the new Jerusalem. We, beloved, have such a fun time ahead of us. Now we're going to be playing catch-up, trying to figure out, like, what? Like, how does it work? Like, I just kind of just jump in there and beam me up. How does this work? I mean, Star Trek's got nothing. They got nothing. But we're going to be, he's going to have to explain it all to us. But I tell you, the age to come is going to be so powerful. So when the Lord invites us to set our minds on things above, this is what he's calling us to set our minds on. The new Jerusalem, the 1,500 mile square diamond that's full of the glory of God, that's your eternal home. The 70, yay, 80 years that you spend in this age, it is an internship. It is a training ground. I'll find, I'll just end with 1 John 3. I just, it's, been, it's been ministering to me so deeply. I just love the, the beloved Apostle John. 1 John 3, he goes, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. We be called children of God. I'll add, members of the household of God. Citizens of the new Jerusalem. Behold what manner of love that is. He goes, no wonder the world doesn't know us. And then he goes and he says this, it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. 
He goes, I know we got some, but we don't really know what, what's going to happen. I mean, he goes, it's going to get real good. Because it's not real clear completely. Of course, he's writing this before he wrote the book of Revelation, so there you have it. He got a lot more detail. He goes, it hasn't been revealed fully what we, what we shall be. But we know this. When we see him, we're going to be like him. Oh, beloved. Beloved. Don't put your anchors down in this age. Set your hope firmly on the glory that's going to be revealed and ministered to you at the return of the Lord Jesus. Hope in God. So many live their life in this age broken and destitute in their soul because they have, they've deferred hope. They've set their hope on things of this life that have failed them. I promise you, they will fail you. It's okay. We don't have to get bitter. Oh, you bunch of people got a family. We don't have to get bitter about that. No, they're broken down people. Do you know anybody that's not broken? No. Well, of course, if they're broken, they're going to fail. If I, if I took you in a car lot and said, all these cars are broken, you would not expect to get in one, drive away, and have it not break down on you. However, we set our, our hope on people knowing that they're broken and flawed. Hope in God, beloved. Hope in God. Set your sights on another age. Set, fix your hope firmly on the glory that's going to be revealed when the Lord returns. Set your hope on a different thing. And then I tell you, your hope won't be, it won't be broken in this life. You'll be gracious and generous with people and your heart will be buoyant because you'll know this is not your final place. This is, you're, just a, you're just an alien. You're a stranger. You're a traveler. You're passing through. There's another age you're made for. There's glory. There's pleasure. There's joy. There's so much more. Oh, we make an impact for the kingdom in whatever measure we can in this life. We give ourselves an abandonment and love to Jesus. We go for it while we're in this age. But I tell you, there's so much better of an abiding hope that we have. We've just had a little glimpse of it the last few weeks. I tell you, there's so much more in the scripture about it. Some of you The Lord is going to put you on a track to study this and be a proclaimer of these truths in days ahead. It's just going to spark your heart to study the the age to come and the new Jerusalem and and Jesus' government. I mean, that governmental complex is going to be dramatic. The Lord's going to rule from Zion. Jesus will be on the earth in the tabernacle of David, connected to the heavenly throne room in the new Jerusalem. That governmental complex, full of glory, that's what he's going to use to, to guide the nations. And you and I get to partner with him in it. Oh, it's so good. You're like, I, I kind of just signed up to not go to hell. Good. You're not going to hell. But you get a lot more. Good. Amen. Let's stand. I want to pray for you. If you'd say, you know what? I, I want to go on a journey in the scripture and study the age to come, the new Jerusalem. I want to get revelation that's going to impact my heart in a deep way. I want to just ask the Lord to release grace to you. Maybe you feel pricked over these issues and you just feel stirred in a a unique way and you feel like, man, that might be me, that the Lord's inviting me. I feel like that's what it is. The Lord's inviting several of you in grace to just go into these concepts in a deep way and and get get a vision for where we're going to be a proclaimer even.